You are listening to Aim for the Bushes. I am your podcast person, Pavlo, also known as Pav, also known as J-Pav, also known as Pavi. And so, as you know, we don't have any theme music, at least not yet. Maybe one day, maybe one day you'll tune in and you'll be greeted with a different intro, a more melodic intro, and then you'll hear my voice. But before we get started in today's uh, topics, just a reminder, or I guess this is kind of like our like disclaimer, our legal disclaimer. That's not very legal. This has not been looked over by a lawyer. But just a reminder that any kind of like opinion or view that we express here is just like our own personal take or view on a certain matter. It's not ultimate truth. It's not meant to say anyone with a differing opinion is wrong, but these are just our opinions, so you have to deal with it. All right, so um, as always, I'm joined here with my recording partner, Maggie the Mags, and today we have uh, a couple of topics to, to talk about. So in our world, or on this podcast, we have some serious, or more serious things that we talk about, and then we have some less serious things that we talk about. And today is going to be one of those less serious things that we talk about. Are very serious. I don't know. It depends how you look at it. The first thing we're going to be talking about are umbrellas. And are they useless? I say yes. So currently in Montreal, uh, as we record this and over the this week pretty much, uh, it's been raining. Lots and lots of rain. It actually has been kind of bad for, I guess, because uh, if you don't know, Montreal is an island. And so in certain parts of Canada where there are rivers and stuff and lakes, uh, there's been flooding, I guess, from like the melting snow and all this rain that we've been getting. So it's really, you know, tough for those people that are affected in those areas, those flood zone areas. But that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about flooding. We're talking about umbrellas and their uselessness. Because we have a number of issues, I think, with umbrellas. I personally do not use umbrellas. Like, I freaking hate them. I have used them in the past. And I just, I just don't like them. I think they're dumb. They're freaking dumb. Like, I know people. I know the first argument people are gonna say is like, "Will they stop you from getting wet?" Do they though? Do they? Can you really, you know, go back and think? Do they really keep you dry? I would say no. Uh, unless you're outside and the rain is falling completely straight and there's no wind and it's raining heavily. Yes, an umbrella, should you take one? Sure, go for it. That's going to that's gonna keep you dry, no problem. But in my experience, it's usually not that simple. So there's a couple of things as to why uh, no umbrellas. It depends on the intensity of the rain. If it's light rain, you don't really need an umbrella. Because you'll go out, you might get a little bit of wet, uh, you know, a little bit of rain, you know, hitting you but if it's light rain you're not gonna get that way unless you're gonna be outside for like a very long time like you're going out for like a 40 minute walk or something then maybe yeah have an umbrella or something like that but like if it's light rain but if you're just going out like from your house like to the store or like 10 minutes to the subway to a bus or whatever not a big deal now if it's heavy rain you say well with heavy rain usually if it's heavy rain there's wind and even if it's like medium to heavy rain and there's wind the rain starts falling at an angle. Like, I've had this happen where it's raining, like, you know, decently, decently enough. So it's not like a light drizzle or like a light rain. It's like a medium amount of rain that's falling. 
And like my shoes are freaking wet and my socks get wet. And one thing I hate the most is getting wet freaking socks. Like I cannot stand that, especially if it's cold and rainy and your feet get wet and you're in these wet socks. That's it. Your day is ruined. So I can't freaking stand that. But if you're outside and it's windy, now the now the rain is coming at an angle and it doesn't protect your feet or your legs or your pants or whatever. Like all that gets wet. Like, so what did the umbrella do? It did absolutely nothing. Maybe your face and hands are dry or whatever, but like... All you have to do is wear a rain jacket or one of those like windbreakers that are water resistant or waterproof or whatever, and then you're fine. And then you have the issue of the umbrella itself. So if it is windy, not only now do you have rain coming in at an angle, wetting up your pants, wetting up your feet and your socks, now you also have to deal with the wind actually blowing against your umbrella. That's much more difficult to navigate than, than if it's just like there's no wind and the rain's falling completely straight down. Okay, like I've had umbrellas and the few times that I've like, I'm like, oh, it's raining pretty hard. Let me take an umbrella. And then it's also freaking windy. And then I go outside with the umbrella and what happens? Wind blows on it, conks the umbrella, breaks, and now we're screwed. Now you have a broken umbrella. What are you going to do with that? You got to toss it. You just have to toss it. Like I was, where was I going? I was going to Concordia to Loyola and I had stopped in the McDonald's by Snowden, which is a metro station in Montreal take the bus i come out of the mcdonald's basically i was in there waiting until like the bus came so that way like you know i can maximize my dry and dryness time or whatever right and then i literally walk from the mcdonald's to the bus stop which is like literally across the street then that time i'm waiting to cross and then augusta wind comes out breaks my umbrella and do you know how many times i see especially if it's like windy weather and during a rainstorm or whatever where there's just a bunch of umbrellas like broken in the trash or just on the floor like what was the point of that so they're freaking useless and then you say okay we'll just get like a big strong umbrella like those are even worse like yes maybe they won't conk when the wind blows against them because they're big and they look sturdy or whatever but now you've just created this like huge bubble around you do you know how hard that is to like walk around with that it's like a giant sail and then you're, you're, so for me, I'm pretty tall, okay? So now I've got to navigate walking around slow freaking people with these big ass umbrellas, you know, to get around them, you know? And then you have the whole issue when two large umbrellas walking, you know, towards each other on the sidewalk. And then they got to do this like weird dance of like, oh, how do we get by? Or you have to tip your umbrella and stuff like that. And it's just like, it's an annoyance. And then you got to carry them around. It's, it's on the bus and stuff. And then everyone's got to close them. You got to watch where all your water's dripping. You know, you got to shake it off. It just seems like more of a hassle. Like, I, don't, I don't like the umbrellas. And then if you try to share umbrellas, try to share umbrellas, you're always like fighting basically because one person's not getting covered pretty much. Or it's like the worst, like you're getting half covered. So then you're getting all the rain dripping down that hits the umbrella, dripping down the side to hit you. Or if you're carrying a bag, that's the other issue. If you're carrying a knapsack, unless you have one of those giant ass umbrellas, like, and you're worried about your bag getting wet or whatever, because let's say you have something in there that shouldn't get wet, like paper or like a laptop or something. The umbrella is not covering your bag. I don't know. Like, No. Umbrellas are just no bueno. You don't need one. I don't know. You just don't need one. Just wear like a longish waterproof jacket or whatever. And then you should be fine. Like I never had really any issues. The only time I've had issues when I've been caught in the rain where it's super heavy rain where it pours like buckets. That's the only time. But even then, like 
I don't think an umbrella would do you do you well unless you had one of those huge ass umbrellas. Because what happens too is what I've noticed is that when the when it's raining really heavily, they those big big ass raindrops hit the sidewalk and then there's like the little splash that they make. <laughs> they get the little splash that's getting now that's getting on your feet, and depending on what type of footwear you're wearing. So if you have rain boots, I guess you're fine. But I don't know. I don't like rain boots all that much. I know I'm going on a little tangent here on rain boots. Because they're big and rubbery. I feel like you only do those if you're like a farmer. And you're like, we're on a farmer. Oh, yeah. I think I've seen those. The uh, I mean, I've seen them on snow boots. So I, I don't know if that picked that up. But Maggie was saying there's the type of rain boot where it's like basically there's like a, a plastic or elastic covering that like clings to your leg or whatever. So that way no water gets in. I guess I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Because you have those big rain boots. And they normally, like, don't hug your leg unless, like, you have those, like, fashion, like, riding boots or whatever that I see a lot of girls wear. But I don't know how waterproof those are. But, yeah, then you get, like, the water that will just go into them. And then they can't get out because they're in this, like, rubber encasing now. And then your feet get wet, I imagine. But I don't wear rain boots because they're dumb pretty much. I don't think you really need them. Like I said, unless you, like, work somewhere, like, on a farm or where there's, like, water a lot and then they protect your feet from getting like muddy and stuff that's more why to wear them to protect my feet from muddy if i'm like on walking on damp ground because i wouldn't want like my normal shoes to get covered in like soggy mud like i hate freaking mud walking in it it's the worst but yeah so like most rain boots like unless you're a kid like i don't really you look you look kind of like a bit of a doofus wearing <laughs> wearing uh big like galoshes or whatever but yeah all right so yeah that's that's all we have there for uh, the rain attire, I guess. Just, uh, yeah, I don't think you need an umbrella. I mean, if you really feel passionately about an umbrella, what bring one. I don't care. You like, I'm not saying people don't don't go out and use an umbrella if you don't want to. If you if you if it helps you, go for it. I just think they're dumb and they're unnecessary. It's kind of like neckties, which I will get to on another day about neckties. I think they're dumb too. <laughs> but yeah, so if you're passionate about it, wear or not wear, but bring an umbrella if you want. If they help you, go for it. I just think they're useless and you just need a, a top, like a jacket, pretty much with a hood. That's the worst. If you don't have a hood, unless you don't mind your hair getting wet, but I don't really like how rainwater leaves my hair. But also, I have like different hair from like most people. So. <laughs> If you just have regular, like, straight hair, I guess it's not a big deal. But for me, it like, messes my hair up too much. Yeah, so we'll leave that there. So you can stew about it if you're upset or whatever. <laughs> or maybe you've seen the light, and now you're going to, like, ditch the umbrella and start the revolution. <laughs> All right, so we're going to transition to our next topic after these sponsors. No, we don't actually have sponsors. <laughs> maybe one day we'll get sponsors. That's always, like... An iffy thing in terms of like fan reception to sponsors. Like what I when I watch like other YouTube videos uh, of people talking about having ads on videos, they get complaints from people being like, oh, you have ads. I don't like the ads. But I mean, I understand from the person who's making it because like from my understanding, like the YouTube views itself, like don't bring in a lot of money, even with ads. And I don't mean like the... Um, uh, when you watch a YouTube video and an ad like pops up or whatever before the YouTube video plays and they have the mid rolls now, 
uh, like when no one's actually sponsored, like this video or podcast or whatever is sponsored by Squarespace or some, some shit like that. Like that, those type of ads, like I understand people don't, it's only those, but I know you need to make money, if, especially if you're doing it full time. I get that. But if you don't like ads, especially uh, internet ads, just get an ad blocker. Like I can't, it's too, it's too insane. I know this is getting off topic before we get into an actual next real topic, but they're just too insane. Like, oh my God. Like if I go on a computer that does not have ad block or use a browser, I'm just like, what What the hell? Like this is a real problem. Cause I have ad block. Like any computer I use, there's ad block on there. Cause I'm like, I, I cannot deal with ads, especially the ones I start playing automatically. I know like Chrome now has like a thing where it mutes it by default, but Oh, I really can't take those ones that play like automatically and you have sound or they open up an under under tab or whatever, or a pop under as they call them. And they start playing sound and you're just like, where the fuck is the sound coming from? Like, oh, I hate those things. I hate those things. Okay. So for our next topic, getting away from attire and clothing and all that stuff, which we'll probably come back to, like I said, for neckties and stuff. Um, so our next topic deals with sports. So we all like sports, right? People like to go see the Habs here in Montreal, Boston, they like the Bruins, Toronto, they like, they like the Leafs. But uh, what we'll be talking about specifically concerning sports is kind of like how teams like are perceived by the public, how they want to be perceived uh, by the public. Because we think of sports teams as kind of like cultural institutions, right? Think people think about like the reason why like sports teams or like for a city are good to have. They build community, right? It's something like an identity that people can kind of like rally around, right? We all cheer for the same team. So for here in Montreal, we all cheer for the Montreal Canadiens. You know, if you're in Toronto, you like the Maple Leafs. It also gives you kind of like a rivalry, you know, against like other teams. So here in Montreal. You know, you have rivalries with the Leafs, you have rivalries with Boston, right? It creates, like, not necessarily, like, a tense atmosphere, but, you know, kind of like, oh, it's us against them kind of thing. But, like, not necessarily in a, like, dramatic fashion. Although some people do take it the sports too seriously, right? And that's when you have a problem. But, you know, so everyone likes cheering for their team or, like, you know, you go out to, like, a bar or something with, like, some friends and you watch, like, the Hab game. It's it's exciting, you know, when they're in the contention for the playoffs, if the Habs make the playoffs. <laughs> so just so you know, like, I am originally from Toronto, so I am a Leafs fan, so anyone's listening. So I will always cheer for the Leafs, even though I've been living in Montreal for a long time. People are like, oh, aren't you a fan of the Habs now? I'm like, no. Out of my friends, I'm, like, the only person that's, like, a Leafs fan. Really, so it's me against them. I hear it all the time. Yes, I know they haven't won the cup in over fifty years. I know that, but still, I'm the only one that's happy when the Habs either don't make the playoffs or they get eliminated from the playoffs. And I'm the only one that's like reveling in the, like all their misery and slash disappointment. <laughs> but so, so yeah, so we think of these sports teams, like I said, as cultural institutions. That's how they tend to position themselves. You see this when a team doesn't make the playoffs, like uh, the Canadians this year or um, several years ago when the Leafs weren't making the playoffs. Um, I know especially here in Montreal, I, just, I don't remember if they made the playoffs last year, but I know this year they didn't make it. You hear about like bars and stuff downtown that get, well, I guess upset, but you know they're not as busy as they would be 
if the Canadians were playing in the playoffs, right? Because everyone's going to go downtown, like go downtown, like to see the game, right? Go to the Bell Center. And then, you know, all like the bars like around there, people go downtown to watch, have fun. You have people from the opposing team. Some of their fans will come into the city, right? So it makes sense. You also hear this narrative if a team threatens to leave, right? They talk about the economic loss, right? And that's kind of like what we're going to be focusing on and like why this is like kind of like interesting to talk about in in terms of like how teams like portray themselves because like teams, what they want to do is they want obviously people to come see their games and the way that they're modeled is based on the arena or stadium that they play in. And this becomes important because teams frequently want new arenas to be built. And the way that they do this is by making that appeal to like economics, to how the fans would feel like without a team in the city anymore, right? And obviously then people want the team to stay because it's like I said, it's something they identify with. But teams for their part, like they they do that, right, to appeal to the fans, not because uh, you know, they don't care necessarily about the community that they live in, but they want that money. Yes, they want to build a new arena, but they don't want to build it themselves. They want the state, so the government, to give them money to do that, which I think is wrong because they are not a cultural institution as they portray themselves to be. They're a business, a private business. It's not like the community team that you go and play. No one goes to see those games. <laughs> You know, there's like smaller leagues and stuff like that, community center or whatever, where you can go play if that's what you want. But no one going to like an NHL game for that, right? Especially because like the players are all from different parts of the country, different parts of the world. It's not local, it's not homegrown stuff anymore. Like maybe a hundred years ago when the NHL first started, right? And that's when that's when you would have people, um, the the people who played on the teams like were from like the area and all that stuff. But we're, we're beyond that. So teams, they want that money, that public funding. Money. And it makes sense from their point of view because businesses, their goal is to make profit. And how do you make profit? You lower expenses. So if you have like a, the government of a city, a province, a state, whatever, giving you money, that lowers your expenses. Because, hey, if you want to give me money, I'll take it. All right? Like I'm not going to complain. So these teams do that, right? And they like use that type of framing to position themselves like i said as a cultural institution i guess to try to win over fans to like pressure the government or whatever into doing it because they'll what they'll do is threaten to leave we've seen it in calgary the flames want a new arena and luckily their government has stood against them to say like yeah we're not giving public funds to the calgary flames organization because they have money like you don't need to do it because like teams are owned by like rich families or rich companies like they don't need public funding to do it like if it was to build an arena for like a par- certain part of town to have access to yeah sure i was a use government money to build a rink or whatever whether it's a basketball rink soccer field doesn't matter ice hockey rink that's fine but if it's like a private company that operates in the nhl like no 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 public money needs to go into that because if you look at studies into it like they promise economic uh benefits or boost to the economy in terms of job creation in terms of revenues like for the city and stuff like that but like they generally don't pan out in that manner it's just a way to try to justify that 
So when we look at this, oh, an interesting case is in Quebec City. So I came across this article on Deadspin, which is a sports news site, if you haven't heard of Deadspin. It's something I read pretty frequently because, and this is another topic I'll get to another day, but how, how journalists present their pieces, their stories and stuff like that, the issues that I have with it. But this is something that I read quite frequently. And they did a story, um, I guess a couple months ago. I'll link it in the show notes if you're interested in reading it. About like what's keeping, basically the title of the article is Who's Keeping the NHL Out of Quebec City? So if you're not familiar with the NHL in Quebec City, they used to have a team, the Quebec Nordiques, that left in 1996. Right when they are starting to get good, uh, they were mediocre for most of their existence. They had a bitter rivalry with the Montreal Canadiens. I forget the name of this fight, but they basically like they had a playoff series against each other, like in the '80s, and then there was this huge brawl that broke out. I forget the name; like it has like a specific name. <laughs> I forget, but basically, like it was just basically pandemonium. It was mayhem. Like both team, like both benches cleared, and those crazy fights that went on. Like so, it was a bitter, intense rivalry. But for the most part, like I said, Nordiques were mediocre for a long time. And then right before they moved is when they started getting good. So when they moved to Colorado in 1995, um, the next year, so 96 playoffs, the Colorado Avalanche won. I mean, they also had help with trading for Patrick Roy after his whole thing. But they're like a good team. So they were getting there and then they get moved. So ever since the team has moved... There's been a demand for the Nordiques to come back, or at least to have an NHL team. But if they did have an NHL team, I'm pretty sure they call them Nordiques. Similar thing happened in Winnipeg when the Jets moved in 1996 to Phoenix to become the Phoenix Coyotes, since uh, who have since been renamed the Arizona Coyotes. But I don't like that name. I'm still calling them the Phoenix Coyotes. Even though they don't play in Phoenix, they play in Glendale, I think. It's just outside of Phoenix. <laughs> a little bit of info for you there. Um, yeah, so the team moved out, then there has been a huge push to have a team back in Quebec City, and similarly, there was a big team, uh, sorry, a big push to bring a team back in Winnipeg, which eventually happened several years ago when the Atlanta Thrashers moved to Winnipeg, so the franchise was relocated to, to Winnipeg, because so there was a demand, they had a new arena that was built, I think the MTS Center, it's the smallest, I think, arena in the NHL. But the Winnipeg fan base is passionate from what I understand, and I'm pretty sure that arena sells out. So in the more, I guess, more recent last couple of years, there's been, uh, the NHL has been looking to expand. So they've been expanding like throughout the 90s pretty much, uh, you know, adding Columbus, who just won their first playoff series ever, beating the Tampa Bay Lightning in a sweep. And Tampa Bay was like, they they tie the record for most wins. So they had 62 wins. There's an 82-game season. So they only lost 10 games all season. And then they lost in the playoffs. Four games in a row against Columbus. And we'll talk about that in terms of, like, um, people with their, like, statistics and analysis and all that stuff. Because a lot of brackets were thrown off. Because people try to like predict and all that stuff, who the winner and the eventual Stanley Cup winner was. Basically, everyone was looking at Tampa to make it to the Stanley Cup Finals, and then they got destroyed completely by like a lesser team who barely. Made, they basically the second last day of the schedule is when they were, were qualified for the playoffs. 
So they were fighting the Blue Jackets, you know, to get into the playoffs. And then here we go. They sweep the the Tampa Bay Lightning, who everyone thought was like at least was going to make it to the final. But anyway, so we're going to talk about statistics and all that stuff another day because a lot of it is BS. Anyway, so there's a push to put a team in Quebec City in the NHL. NHL has been expanding. Like I said, Columbus, Nashville, uh, when they expanded to Florida. So Tampa Bay, also expansion team. Uh, Florida Panthers, Ottawa Senators, San Jose Sharks, more recent additions to the NHL from the early to mid-90s. And then Nashville and Columbus came in like late 90s, early 2000s. Minnesota, another expansion team. And then since then, uh, it's kind of cooled a bit. Uh, the most recent expansion team that was added, uh, this is barring like relocations, but the most recent team that was added was the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, who came in uh, last year. Incredible run. They made it to the Stanley Cup Finals in their first year, which is very impressive. And then, so during that process, there was a bid to add a team in Quebec City. There was a big push. So what had happened was, in order to attract a team there, same thing Vegas did. They built an arena. I think it's called T-Mobile Center. I, I'm not sure if that was built with public funds or not, but anyways... Uh, so yeah, so they did that. Quebec City also did the same thing because they had an aging arena called the Colisee Pepsi or Pepsi Coliseum, if you're not French, in the city that's like from like the 60s or 70s or whenever the Nordiques probably first came to the arena, to the city. Uh, so that's old and outdated. So there's been a push in all sports really to build new arenas with like luxury boxes and stuff like that because now like sports isn't for the common person or right it isn't for like middle class families it's for like rich corporations and like wealthy individuals like business people and stuff like that to like buy out or rent out the the boxes and then if you're like in like the red section or like whatever color is up close to the ice right those are more like more expensive seats and all that stuff so they want they want those luxury boxes because that's where they make most of their money and stuff like that um and and then and another thing we'll talk about accessibility again because there's an issue here with accessibility for like regular fans and stuff because there's also a new a new trend now is to go for all, all like um, a cashless system in arenas or b ballparks or stadiums and stuff like that so that you can't like use cash you have to use or like you have to use credit cards debit cards or the what they'll do is like you change money for um, gift cards and stuff like that to try to like milk much money but that's another topic because right now we're talking about public funds to build uh, stadiums but something to be aware of in the future if you ever want to go to see like a hockey game or something like that so in order to attract the nhl what they do is they build an arena a new arena in quebec city i think across the street from the old one called the videotron center and by all means it's supposed to be a very nice arena in terms of like how well it's built, the quality of like the ice surface, ice playing surface and all that stuff. The atmosphere that you could get in there if you ever had an NHL team in there. So the reason why they did that, like I said, was to attract the NHL during its expansion process. Because they were going to add two new teams. And the only two cities that put in the bid was Las Vegas and Quebec City. They accepted the Las Vegas one, but they didn't accept the Quebec City one. But what's weird about that, so they built this arena, but they used quite a bit of public money to build it so let's see here so this is from the article itself it says that the arena that w that was constructed was um constructed with 370 million dollars in public funding 
So that's a lot of money. I don't have the total cost offhand, but $370 million to build this arena on the promise that an NHL team would come and pay here. That's how they justified it, right? They'd say, okay, it's going to be $370 million, but it's an investment. It's the economic angle I was talking about before. So we're going to get a team in here. People are going to come, right? They're going to spend money. They're going to have nights out. This arena will pay for itself like in a year. Okay, they didn't say a year, but, you know, it'll pay for itself eventually because people will come and stuff like that. Revenue. I know some arenas, I don't want they actually implement it, but they say like revenue from parking and all that stuff because it depends who owns what in terms of how the money flows. So they do this. They Like I said, that's a lot of money. That could go to like being put in healthcare, being put in education, building other public utilities, like parks. Like, I don't know. It could be put to other, like repaving roads. I don't know. It could be put to other uses, $370 million. It's not, it's not like, 10, okay, we gave them $10 million. Like, that's a lot of freaking money. And then so what happens? The, the NHL announces the expansion teams were taking in, and only one gets picked. Las Vegas. They don't accept the uh, Quebec City bid for whatever reason. And now we're, we're now the people in Quebec City are stuck with this very nice arena, from what I understand, from what I've read about it, with no teams. Because right? when they build these new arenas, they don't just say, oh, it's going to be home of this hockey team or soccer team or football team, baseball team, whatever. They say it's going to be multi-purpose use, right? Concerts, other things. I mean, usually it's like concerts. But if it's purpose-built for a sports team... The main use is going to be that sports team. It could be a good venue for um, concerts and stuff or trade shows or other crap. I don't know. But it's mainly going to be the hockey team. Like here in Montreal, the Bell Center. I, I would say the major use of that is the Canadians playing there. If the Canadians did not play there, like if they moved and they still kept that building there. Yeah, you'd have concerts come through, but not as often as like hockey games during like the NHL season. Cause like yeah, you have little concerts like at the smaller venues, but to like make a big building like that worthwhile, how many how many touring artists are there out there that could like actually use that space? Not many, right? It's only a handful, I would imagine. Of like, I'm talking like would fill that up. Like I understand like you could like block off sections and stuff like that, but like really get a good use out of it. Not that many. So it's going to be mainly sitting empty, and that's what it's been doing there. Also, because Quebec City is also a small town too, like it's not it's not huge, it's not as big as Montreal, so there's less of an incentive for a large group to go out to Quebec City and play there. So like all that bullshit that they sell you is like non-existent, pretty much. Like even I I know there's like a thing here where like you'll have artists that like big touring artists that like will announce Canadian dates of like their world tour and usually where do they go Toronto especially if they're going in the eastern part of the country it like usually will be Toronto maybe Montreal but definitely Toronto and then if they're going in the western part of the country like Vancouver or something but sometimes it's only Toronto that they go to you know so so yeah so we have all that money that's gone into this arena for what like what use has it done it's done nothing and now the NHL this year announced another expansion team that they're going to add because they need to balance out the teams because right now they have 31 teams so you like 32 teams they're going to balance out, and they, the, like I said, they're going to balance out the conferences, add a second uh, expansion team, and where do they go? Seattle, All right? So I think next year, the year before, there's going to be a Seattle team. And so again, the Quebec City hopefuls have been like, oh, you know, like we're going to, it's our time, and then no, we're going to another American city. So something like that, 
you know, is very, to me, representative of like why we should not have public funding for this building. The, the, the team that, well, the ownership group that would like to bring a new Nordiques team to uh, the city of Quebec, he's like a local media mogul here. He owns um, Quebecor, which is like a multimedia company. His name is Pierre-Carl Pelado, whom I don't like. Because, um, well, I, I, like a lot of people, I think he's dumb. So that's that's a topic for another day. But uh, Quebecor and him personally are like very wealthy, very rich. They don't need $370 million given to them to build an arena. Like if you're an ownership group, you want to own a team, like you pay for it yourself. Because most of these teams, especially the ones that are like, that currently exist they want a new arena they're rich teams like unless you're gonna like open up your books and show like we don't make any money at all even then i'd still be like eh, eh. maybe a little bit but eh, i'd still be hesitant but for the most part they make money like they're not hurting financially and then you know in the nhl and nba and other sports leagues they you generally have like uh profit sharing stuff or whatever revenue sharing stuff anyways but like I said, they're, the ownership group is like wealthy enough. Like if they're going to make an investment, if it truly is a good investment, it's something they are going to make, not push onto the public and say that, oh, yeah, it's a good investment. So give us money. Because like, like I said, the building has been sitting around doing nothing. It's been sitting empty. You know, so we shouldn't have that. So the article like talks about this. But also talks about like other things in terms of like looking at like Quebec City like specifically. So like the the wider point I'm making here is like no no public funding for for arenas. It's the same thing in Ottawa because where Ottawa is, their arena is like an hour away outside of Ottawa, like pretty far away. And so obviously Eugene Melnick, who's the owner of the Ottawa Senators, and the fans themselves like don't like going an hour away to go see a, a hockey game. Like I don't know why they built it there. So they want to build something closer downtown. He's like threatened to move subtly or maybe not so subtly if we do, if they don't get funding. Now funding could be direct funding or it can be like transferring land or whatever at a cheaper rate. Generally, it's usually public lands. At a cheaper rate that the the below market value essentially, and same thing in Calgary. They want, like I said, they want a new arena. They've also threatened like to move or whatever if they can't get what they want. And it's like I would say move. Okay, fine, like go go then. But the problem is if like other cities or other provinces are like, yes, we will fund you. I'm like, because that exacerbates the problem because like there should be like, no, don't give them money because it's a waste of money. It's not gonna benefit the public. To me, it's not a public good to go see a hockey game. You know. That doesn't benefit me. Like that's me spending money. That's not enriching like my life with like better utilities or better infrastructure. You know, in terms of like plumbing or like paving roads and sidewalks, signage. I don't know. There's a whole bunch of other things that could be uh, done with this level of money that we're talking about instead of going to build a very specific purpose-built building. Because, like I said, not many things can go inside a sports arena whether it's for hockey or some other sport. So anyways, going getting back to the article here, it, it does take a look at like what may the issue be in terms of why an NHL team has not come into into Quebec City uh, from like their biddings that they've been uh, attempting to do over the last couple of years. And it's pretty interesting. So I would implore you, like I said, to go read the article. 
Uh, some points just to quickly go over. It could be because it's in a pro- predominantly French-speaking part of Quebec. So Montreal, yes, is also in Quebec, but Montreal has a larger Anglophone presence. I would say it's like where the majority of English speakers are. So you can get around uh, without needing to speak French compared to like Quebec City, which is much, much more Francophone. And it could, for players anyways, you may have players who are less likely to go out there because it's like i said it's also a small town too it's not a big town and so if you have players from like the states uh non-french speaking european countries come over they may not want to play in a small middle of nowhere town that only speaks french you know it's not as exciting as a metropolis like a montreal so even if you don't speak french and you're american born let's say like montreal it's an interesting exciting city this is not to shit on quebec city but it is a smaller town so it's like you kind of got to be realistic about that. It's a wonderful town. I've been there several times, but you know, it's not, there's not as much going on in Quebec city. So that could be part of it. It could also be part of territorial rights. So Montreal Canadians are going to complain being like, Oh, there's another team that's taking our fandom away from us. Right. Cause all those people that like in Quebec that would want to watch a hockey team or a hockey game or support something like they would basically go to Montreal because that's especially if there's someone who identify with like being French and all that stuff like the Canadians is like really the only team that would serve you the only closest team would be like the Boston Bruins which is an American English speaking team so that would like dip into the case so the Canadians are like mm, mm, don't really like the idea of a second team coming here uh, the, uh, another thing is that like the Canadians also building off that, the Canadians are owned by the Molson family, who uh, also, they're owned by the Molson family, also owned partly by Bell, which is a large telecommunications company in Canada. And historically, um, yeah, did not, like Bell itself does not like Videotron or Quebecor because they compete for each other. Actually, they currently have a thing right now where like during the playoffs, Quebecor will not our videotron owned by quebec or will not show bell's channels that carry uh playoff hockey so they scramble it so you can't watch bell programming so basically they have french like tsn or whatever so rds which is owned by bell and if they're showing a hockey game you can't see it on their on their service on videotron service so there's that and then the owners of the canadians themselves molson which is like you know if you heard of molson breweries and stuff like that molson beer that's their family they're still around super wealthy family from from montreal so they also compete against someone like pierre carl pelado right because they're like an you get into like more local politics so you have like a rich wealthy english family against like a rich wealthy french speaking family Right, so there's that kind of like dynamic, which is also interesting, you know. So there, there's that kind of aspect to it as well. But like I said, the the other teams complaining about a new team coming in is also a concern because there was a push, maybe about ten years ago, to add like a second team in the GTA, so the Greater Toronto Area, like one in Hamilton or something, because there's the population for it. Even a second team like in Toronto, I would say like there's enough demand for it because Canadians do like watching hockey games and stuff like that. Because like if you think like in New York, 
You have New York Islanders, New York Rangers, New Jersey Devils too, all within close. So you have three teams close proximity to each other. Now Toronto isn't as big as like that New York, New Jersey area, but still pretty big. And I would say like you would have people going compared to like the U.S. where hockey isn't as big. But yeah, like Leafs would complain uh, about a second team in Toronto or close like Hamilton. Buffalo Sabres would also complain. Detroit Red Wings would also complain because Detroit and Buffalo are like, well, one's in Michigan, one's in New York State, but they're close enough to the Canadian border. So like Detroit, you know, has like people from Southern Ontario. They'll be, most of them I'd say are probably Leaf fans, but you do have some people who are, will be like Detroit Red Wings fans. And then people like around Hamilton area, Niagara will also be like um, Sabres fans. And then also you do have... Uh, yeah, so like they could go to see a Buffalo game. Like if you're in Hamilton, you can easily go to Buffalo. It's not like that long of a drive, like 45 minutes or something. So that would take away, right? So Buffalo Sabres, Detroit Red Wings, people who are close to the border, like like if you have like a decent contingent of fans coming in from the other side of the border to come watch your games, like if there's a team there, that uh, presumably would get taken away from you. So there's all these things that kind of like go into like you know the politics of like the nhl politics of like the actual territories themselves like here in like montreal and quebec city and then the people that own them or companies that own them right like it's interesting interesting look i like how all those things can affect that there's no like one direct thing that i would say like causes it but like still pretty interesting okay so we will leave that there. We'll leave you with that final thought. You can think of what you think about uh, NHL teams and publicly funding arenas. And another day we'll talk about if uh, sporting events are for the regular fan. Because like I said, you have arenas in the U.S. and stuff, moving to cashless systems, trying to milk every last dollar out of their fans. And it makes it so that average Joes are just your average middle class family cannot really go to see a live sports game. You know, so that'll be another day. But for this episode, that's where we'll leave it. As I said, you've been listening to me, your podcast person, Pavlo, also known as JPav, also known as Pav, and also known as Pavi. And with me, as always, is my sound recording partner, Maggie the Mags. And yeah, so that'll be it for today. Yeah, peace. That's it. Go home. Stop listening. Turn this off. <laughs>